Your support on patreon.com slash Solidarity House ensures that we can deliver this content to the public for free. Hello again, listeners. This is Sarah. I'm here today with Timber Vogel, who is one of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter and anti-police brutality marches that have uh, been going on in Laramie uh, for two weeks tomorrow. We've been marching two weeks uh, for two weeks every day at 5 p.m. down one of the main thoroughfares in Laramie. Uh, And the press coverage has been... How would you describe the press coverage, Timber? Shoddy? Is that... uh, Can I... Yeah. Shoddy? That seems Um, accurate. Um, So uh, we wanted to do an interview, get the real scoop on... uh, the protests, how they're going, uh, what what protesters are are marching for, what we're tr- what they're trying to achieve. Uh, I may slip into we because uh, I have <laughs> marched most days, uh, um, although not every day. Um, but this isn't school, and it's not an attendance. There's no attendance <laughs> award. So <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So we want to get we want to get the full story. So how did you? Uh, how did you? We can start at the beginning. How did you? become uh involved with the march because i know it was billy just started it with like a facebook post right he was just like this is bs and i'm gonna just march up and down the street and whoever wants to do that can come with me yeah billy really came out of the gate swinging um <laughs> he had it was super funny there were like demonstrations going on before uh june 3rd and they were awful they were just poorly put together uh, I don't want to say awful. Any form of demonstration is valuable, but they were poorly formed, not very inclusive, and just didn't really make an impact or really any waves. And so um, I had heard about them the day before one was happening, and I was like, they were like basically reaching out, like, "Hey, you're a POC. We don't have any involved. What do you think of this event tomorrow?" And I was like, uh, "You're reaching out to me the day before. I don't think you should do it." doesn't really sound like it's going to make too, you know, big of an impact. And uh, Billy went to that, um, unbeknownst to me. I didn't know Billy before any of this. And uh, he, in response to the poor planning of that, um, was motivated to make this flyer and say, hey, I'm basically going to be marching all week, uh, whether it's just me or there's 10 people behind me, whatever. Um, If you want to come out, please do. And so I caught wind of that from skate laramie like out of all the places in the world it's really i swear to god at the end of the day it's going to be skate borders versus the police because i don't know what is going on but um they are just a a force to be reckoned with and um so i saw that post and i and i reached out to billy because i had been organizing just on the down low trying to get some fundraiser things going on with some of the people i'd worked with through bsa and things like that in the university and um, I was basically like, hey, I have had a really poor experience with marches in the past, like hosting them, being a part of them, and just not really getting anything from them. Um, so I'm down for this, but would you be interested in like doing some further organizing, especially like in terms of fundraising, so we can have like a tangible um, contribution? And he was basically like, oh my God, thank you for reaching out. Like, this is so sick. Let's do this together. Like, I'm way down. Um, basically like I can be I can have as big of a role as you as you want me to have like I'm just trying to really like right the wrongs of some of the other demonstrations going on in town and to like 
make a stand that uh, people couldn't ignore. And I think that was really, really uh, strategic and strong in, in planning on doing this for a, one week straight. And then, of course, like going beyond a week and well, we're on day 13 now. And um, yeah, so that first day, the first March, I was like, hey, my Instagram, I have hair. I'm bald. Look for me. I was like, I don't know what you look like, but uh, look out for the blonde per like the bald person. I'll be there. And um, we just hit it off, like started organizing right away, talking about what we can do with this. How do we grow this? How do we make this impactful and different than any organizing we've seen in Laramie before? And uh, I don't know. I think you can sort of tell by at least how long it's lasted, how many people we saw showing up. Like it's a significant, it's a, it's a monumental thing, I think. And uh, it's been awesome to be a part of that. And I'm, yeah, shout out to Billy, like definitely got the ball rolling, but uh I think it's been a, a really strong, like, we've seen, like, thickest thieves in this thing and just, like, the steam to his train sort of relationship, and it's been great. Right on. Yeah, that's, I think that's, uh, that's interesting what you said about the skateboarders. I mean, because I think it's worth pointing out to any listeners, since I know we have a lot of uh, listeners that aren't local to Laramie, uh, and in Laramie in particular, uh, is it a year and a half ago now, I think, uh, maybe a little bit more than that, that Robbie Ramirez was killed. Uh, and he was uh, a really integral member of the skateboarding community in Laramie. Uh, I think I remember somebody talking about him being really um, instrumental in like building the skate park. Um, and so I think that probably certainly contributes to, um, you know, we've I feel like I've seen skateboarders have made like a really strong showing at the marches. I see at least a few each, each day. It seems like Robbie was definitely an integral part of, I mean, Laramie community in whole, but definitely mm. I mean, we'll see pictures of him like in the construction of the skate park. And, and it's, it's so phenomenal that he was able to make that impact and, and that the community is still, you know, demanding justice for him uh, and the community around them. But yeah, the skateboarders in this town are definitely, uh, they're strong and they care and um, they're awesome. They're a great, they're a great system, especially in a small town like this, like where you can only skateboard outside for what, four months out of the year. <laughs> That's what makes them so strong. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I remember uh, going to one of the county commission meetings uh, and where, you know, where they were sort of confronting the commissioners for, you know, basically not, not doing anything or not trying to, uh, you know, get calling fired or do any reforms. And, and uh, you know, some of the people from the skateboard community showed up and one person uh, was like a really moving testimony. And, you know, he's talking about how, you know, public speaking is like terrifying for him. And yet he's here to stand up in front of all of these people, several of them armed police officers in the courtroom and, you know, and, and give his, uh, give his piece. Um, it was really great. Uh, anyway, so you said um, that the, this, the march feels a lot more impactful, um, you know, and that we've been marching, we've had great turnouts, we've had great conversations with people about what they want to see. Um, and one of the, I guess, quote, uh, most significant um, achievements thus far is uh, meeting with the city manager. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and, and how that came to happen? Yeah. So, I mean, protests, I will admit, started a little slow. We were 
Uh, I think people were really hesitant uh, to how far they wanted to push the law and, and, and break it a little bit to make a disturbance. And so we really weren't getting anywhere the first few days of marching on the sidewalks and stopping for stoplights um, because it's not, not really a protest at that point. It's more of like a really large walk. But um, once we started, you know, getting in the street, causing a disturbance, getting, making some waves, um, city council members started reaching out um, to Billy specifically, which was strategic because uh, he was the face and like the admin on all the pages, um, just because I didn't want like politicians and police to be calling me all the time. That's extremely scary to me. And so um, he would just be getting these really informal forms of communication um, with councilmen and um, just sort of like trying to figure out what was going on. They didn't really seem to understand or really think that we were serious. And so after I think maybe the fifth or sixth day of marching, um, we got a call from one of the councilmen saying that we could be put on the docket for a workshop meeting they already had scheduled at the end of the month. This was on the 8th, the June 8th, they called and said that we could uh, go to a meeting on the 22nd and have like a little line so we could say our part. And uh, I was basically like, I'm not going to wait till the 22nd to have a conversation. Um, you know, like I'll be at that meeting too, but I'm not going to stop. It, it definitely seems like a, a push to get us to stop marching and causing a disturbance. And obviously it like sort of ignited my fire more. And so we kept marching, kept marching. And I think it was on maybe June 11th or 12th city manager. Uh, well, the March on June 11th, a woman comes up to me like as we're chanting and she's like, Hey, the city manager is like on my Instagram live watching the March, like do a fire call, like do a fire calling chant or something. And it was just like really strange, like thing. I didn't really know what was going on like, in the heat of the moment, especially I'm like, I don't really know, but we did it. And then um, like an hour after the March, uh, we get a Facebook message from this woman and she's like, Hey, um, my aunt's the city manager and she's on the phone with me right now. And she wants to know what you guys want. And then I get a message like two minutes later and she's like, she's on the phone right now. She wants to know what you want. And, and we're like, you know, in our, in our debriefing after the March is like not on social media. And, and when we had read that message, like three hours later, we were just like, what in the world? Like, this is the strangest way to reach out to a group of people, especially when everyone in the county office has Billy's email and phone number and has been in communication with us. And so that was super strange and we ignored that message because it was like i'm you know like we're a legitimate group of people protesting and like you should address us that way like i'm not going to talk to you through your niece through facebook frantically after a march like you demanding it my time that was super super weird and so the next morning she the city manager calls us or maybe the day after i don't remember uh she calls us and is like hey um uh, i'm coming back into town after this weekend let's have a meeting on tuesday to talk about what you guys are protesting, what do you want? And um, so, yeah, she didn't really give us much information about what it's gonna be like, what she's expecting of us, what she's wanting from us. I don't know how will open she is to listening. Um, it's always difficult to like gauge uh, pol politicians' perspectives like through a, a, you know, a phone call of like, oh, I wanna come in and talk. Like, are you interested or do you want us to just like stop causing a ruckus in your town. Um, you never really know. So, uh, but regardless, um, the point of a protest is to like be heard, right? And to sort of like force your government into making swift action. And 
this isn't necessarily the swift action that warrants stopping of protests, but um, it definitely means that we're we're making a disturbance. We're getting our voices heard. You know, people are um, the powers in the people, and 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 the government is realizing that, and they want to know what the people want. So that's really really exciting, uh, but definitely uh, cannot let us like lose steam in in causing a disturbance because. Um, you know, getting a talk with the city manager sounds like a lot, but ultimately she could definitely just like tear into us and kick us out of her office. So um, we are going into tomorrow uh, or Tuesday, super optimistic. And um, also just with like strong, strong artillery behind us to show that we're, we're not just some crazy kids yelling in the streets, you know, like we're legitimate. We have like real ideas and real demands and uh, we want to see real reform and we're willing to go about real ways of getting that. And I think that they're finally starting to realize that. Right on. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting and like important thing to point out, especially because Laramie is a college town and, you know, and so in any college town, right, there's that sort of locals, you know, townies, students, dichotomy kind of a thing. And while we definitely have had a lot of young people, um, a, like, I, I get the sense that most of those young people are locals. They do actually live here or are from here or from nearby uh, in Wyoming. Um, and also we have had I would I would say it's it's more young people than not, but we've also had a fair amount of um, of I would say people in older generations, families bringing their kids um, out to protest, and and tons of support. I think um, also along the sidelines. I think that that's an important thing that people know too is that like we have the marchers, and we have like had I would say for more of the marchers than not like. A significant contingent of people like along the route right like supporting and handing out water and snacks and things like that um, which is like great great for morale yeah it's so crazy I think I think there definitely is an assumption that like oh it's just these crazy liberal college kids like causing a ruckus which like I can't, I've, I like went to school I moved to Laramie to come to school and so like I'm not native but I have been like raging at the system here for four years and uh we'll continue doing it for a fifth now that this has started but um there's definitely I mean I think it's really important to realize that like summer in Laramie is not a college town you know what I mean like people especially when when COVID hit like people tourists and people that like don't live here or care about this guy I feel like they went home I know like a lot of my friends definitely went home and are not hanging out here and and yeah, the turnout has really, really been um, super diverse and super, super, I, I, I think I'm the only one, at least in my like intimate group of organizers and people that I'm working closely with every day, I think I might be the only one that's not from Laramie. Um, and so, yeah, and even that, it's, 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 it's kids, it's young kids that aren't even in school. It's the high schoolers who, who put together the March for Our Lives, who are still out here, you know, um, working with this march and and it's it's the old people who are like <laughs> it's the awesome awesome old people who will literally like come up with a notepad and a pen after the marches and be like i saw this sign and i want to make one tomorrow but i don't remember the quote like do you by chance know it and it's just it's it's those people that that you know i had a, it was a really awesome 
uh, experience talking to this man after one of the marches who was talking about being a vet, being in Wyoming and, and having all of these friends that aren't bad people, but, but it didn't think that this problem impacted them. So they didn't care. And, and him being able to share that testimony and also like coming out and caring. Like I, I've seen him every day since, and he, he's just so awesome. And, um, really adds a lot to the conversations we have. And so, yeah, I mean, and beyond that, like you said, we have tons of supporters up and down grand up and down, driving up and down parking, sitting in parking lots along the way, um, hanging out out of their, you know, front porches and like holding signs. It's, um, it's been an amazing, amazing thing to watch and see just how diverse and broad and, and how, motivated everyone is you know i definitely was a little hesitant in uh just you know expecting so much from people that aren't used to this isn't a protest town this isn't an activist town necessarily and um so yeah people's like longevity through this has been phenomenal to see and really like jaw dropping but I know it's so awesome to see like the little kids along the way, like handing out water to everyone. I'm like, oh, you're the generation. <laughs> it's so sick. Yeah, there's this this one little kid that uh, they're 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 like most days, and you know, I mean, he's got he's like a preschooler or something, and he's got his little bandana tied around his face, and like I complimented him one day. I was like, because it's hard for little kids to wear stuff on their face, you know. I was like, you're doing great. Like I love your bandana. And he's like, yeah, I'm a ninja. It was so cute. Um, but no, I think it's so great. Like there are so many ways that people can participate in this event, and it kind of. You know, I think it came together, like, just with people holding that value, it seems like, of, of inclusivity and of y'all stating that that's, you know, an important, something that you wanted to, you know, hold up in this, um, in, in these marches. Um, you know, there, there are a ton, you, if you want to, you could say a little bit if you want about the different ways that people have participated or. No, I think it's, I think the range definitely stems from like this not really being a partisan issue. I mean, I don't, I try to, we try to make it a nonpartisan issue. I think people on both sides see issues with police or, or too much government or whatever you want to frame it as. Um, and, um, but no, we really have from the beginning, I think our, our biggest concerns were, were accessibility, um, people being able to be socially distant uh, with COVID going on and, and yeah, just like, I, I think we wanted to have a diverse, um, set of things that people could, you know, even if you don't march, you can definitely come to the first 15 minutes and hear people speak. Or if you don't want to, if you can't march and you just want to watch people go by, we've tried to set up these little spaces along the way that people can camp out. And, and those have sort of become camps where you'll see huge groups of people being socially distant and like cheering people on along the way. And, um, it definitely, uh, we're still like working every day and trying to make it more accessible and, and think of new type of demonstrations because um, protesting and marching is awesome and it's great and it has served a great purpose. But we want to like constantly do more and evolve and, and keep people engaged because especially somewhere in Laramie, th these issues can so easily be swept under the rug and forgotten about because we do seem so far away from them. Even though we have cases like Robbie Ramirez that happened in our backyard, um, it's definitely easy to become overcome by this rural, um, you know, more in the middle of nowhere. We don't have any problems like they do ideology. And so uh, we've definitely uh, are in the works of trying to 
host things that are um, in one location that don't include um, so much marching, but maybe have more accessible seating options. Also, um, you know, downtown Laramie is obviously in a very, is uh, on one side of the bridge. And so um, also trying to connect with people that we can't reach over social media or just by yelling through downtown Laramie, um, by either marching somewhere different or, or hosting these community forums that we've started enacting in different places. Um, we, yeah, we, we're trying to, we're trying to constantly innovate and um, listen for like what people want and what people need because our thing, you know, we didn't start as an organization. I'm still reluctant to call us an organization. I just think that sounds like bureaucratic as hell and I don't like that, but uh, um, we, we ultimately are, have become the voice for this mass amount of people and it's super super important for us to make sure that we are doing our damnest to hear everybody's voices and, and make ourselves accessible to everyone because you have no you know the reason that we're having to do this is because the government and the people in power and these power structures are inaccessible so ultimately like to serve our purpose we have to be the ultimate opposite and be as accessible as possible so i definitely come with some boundaries but i mean it's it's been also fantastic to see the people that have been willing to um you know put themselves out there put themselves at risk um and and stand in solidarity even if it's not the most comfortable way because um it's hard marching days on is hard marching for a day is hard and um yeah we're, we're constantly trying to utilize that and get the power from that but also uh, open it up and make it more accessible where people can can feel safe and comfortable and and like they're making a difference you know in the physical yeah right on i mean and i know i you know i have some friends and some other people i know that have like parked at 10th and then they'll walk like just like the rest of the way to 15th and then stop you know what i mean just for people that like can't that's that's like that's too long of a walk for them um you you said you so you mentioned about the masks and the social distancing kind of earlier in your comment and i want to touch on that because i think it's really important especially with there be, being new spikes coming up in states around the country um that you know that that we're still talking about that but i think also that you know and pushing back against the narrative that it's like the protests that are causing these spikes because I mean, I don't think I've seen anyone at the protest without a mask. And if they didn't have a mask, like we, there are extras that are available for people. Yeah, yeah, we, I mean, the, the hardest part from the beginning, like of planning was like, how do we make this socially distance or at least because that was like, you, you lose like instant credibility when you are putting a mass group of people at risk to form like some type of some type of social stance. And so, and then like, I mean, you saw, we saw it two weeks ago at the Capitol in Cheyenne and across the world where people were protesting, not, you know, not being able to get a haircut and they, no masks, no social distancing, no police shooting rubber bullets, which is a whole nother podcast. But um, it was just, it was really important for us because one that it, it like, heightens accessibility like of course like i my mom has an autoimmune disorder like i um work at a grocery store like i am super fearful not necessarily for myself like i, I i'm young and i'm somewhat healthy and uh, but i obviously know that like 
I put a lot of people at risk. And so, uh, it was super, super important. And, um, it, yeah, it was just super important to really show people that this is something we're serious about. Like we want to come together and stand in solidarity and make a, make a stance, but health comes first, you know, like none of, none of this would be worth anything if in two weeks, half of our supporters were sick. And, um, and it's also, yeah, it, COVID is so scary. Like I, I know, I think in Wyoming, especially there, you know, same thing with everything. We're just so easily detachable to, to everything going on that we hear in the news. And that's not the case, um, especially with viruses. And so, um, yeah, we've really tried to harp on uh, always having masks, extra masks, having brightly colored feathers or bandanas to pass around for people that wanted to note to the people around them that they are hypersensitive to like the six feet bubble. Uh, and we've always, um, you know, walking on in the street and on the sidewalks can get a little crowded sometimes. But I think you, as you can see, you know, in pictures that, especially in the first week when we had masses and masses of people like we were spanning blocks at a time uh and that was just because you know we had a lot of people one and two because people were you know keeping their space and um really being cautious of it and so yeah it's been tough um and and there's definitely always people that um you know give us slack for doing it during covid or uh whatever it may be which let them have their slack um I'm more so concerned with like the people that want to protest and like understand the importance of doing a demonstration like this and finding ways to make it more accessible and safe to them. Cause we've definitely um, had people, you know, reach out and say, you know, thank you so much for what you're doing. I support you. I wish I could protest. I wish I could march, but I just can't. And um, I would love to support in another type of way. And so, you know, I never want to just, tell people like go donate money go read a book whatever like I definitely want to uh I, our goal is definitely to expand this where we can um have something that's maybe in one place where people can maintain social distance and and somewhat enjoy themselves and not have to stress about that but also you know uh be in the moment and and contribute to something much bigger than them and you know feel like they're doing something that's uh maybe a little more satisfying than like signing a petition which just is important but I don't know. You get something. There's there's an energy. There's a there's a, a motivation or a fire. I think that ignite, ignite, ignites within you when you are a part of a march or just like a mass demonstration of people. It's a it's an amazing experience. So always trying to open it up to as many people as we can because it's super important. And and we would be nothing if you know the community didn't stand behind us. Definitely. I think that like that to me is one of. I think that's one of the biggest uh, points as far as arguing for marching in the street. And there's been lots of discussions on social media about whether we should be marching in the street. God forbid people have to go around the block. It, right. it takes them a whole 30 seconds. Oh they have to my. Right. And listen, my next goal is to abolish the police, abolish prisons, abolish stop signs. We're all <laughs> on the same side. They just don't see it yet. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's a lot easier to social distance uh, in, in a street, you know, uh, than on the, those, those sidewalks are cramped and Laramie sidewalks are also just kind of terrible and uneven and not very accessible generally. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, goodness, you, yeah, you don't have like just... The, um, the experiences that we've had in the marches that I've just been like, 
oh my God, money from the police should be going to this, this sidewalk that I can't even, I can hardly get over on like roller skates. I can't mm. imagine people that are wheelchair bound or any, any type of physical disability to, yeah, it's just Laramie sidewalks, Laramie infrastructure is somewhat of a mess, but uh, <laughs> these marches have definitely helped to uh, show that. And yeah, I'm sorry. I just don't think you can protest on a sidewalk like, I don't think that's, that's a demonstration and it's valuable and it means something, but to call it a protest is, I don't know, maybe we have linguistic differences, but I, I've been in the street the whole time and um, the first few days it was a little scary. It's like, there was maybe like two or three of us and I'm definitely like the furthest in the road and we definitely had those, uh, you know, rednecks who were, who were cutting it close with their side mirrors, but but that's the point. That's the point. Cause those people are going to be pissed off driving the rest of their way to subway. And hopefully they'll be thinking about why I'm standing in the street, why they almost wanted to hit me with their car. You know, what am I standing for? What am I risking my life for? And, um, yeah, now to see that in masses, uh, and to see the reaction from, you know, the opposite reaction from those trucksters, you know, they are just, it, it made them even more infuriated, which, uh, you know, halfway is my point i suppose um just getting in the under their skin getting in their mind getting the the message on their mind you know whether they listen to what i'm saying or not i can't make them but uh yeah you definitely have to cause a disturbance and like the street is also really convenient for social distancing which doesn't hurt when uh, people ask why you feel inclined to take over the street yeah definitely so I guess at this point, uh, we could loop back around to to the meeting um, that y'all have with the city manager tomorrow. Uh, have you, I know you've been talking to, you know, as many people as you can, getting all kinds of input from people. Have y'all kind of solidified your your list of, you know, this is this is what we want, this is why we're marching? Yeah solidified is is tough we haven't solidified we do have a list of demands um a few different ones because um different people being in, in charge of different things at the city and the state level but um just because the meeting with the city manager isn't super formal and official we uh, are going in with a list of demands and things that we want to talk about but we also just have a lot of questions because um there's a lot of information um like like the annual policy reports that like have just not been posted in like four years. And so we have, um, you know, we have a list of demands that include budget cuts and percentages and, and plans of hiring, uh, hiring freezes and retirement freezes and, and canceling pensions and overtime and things like that. But, um, you know, in terms of, of a specific, geez, Louise, specifically defunding the police, um, you know, we have, we have estimates, but we don't have access to updated information about budget or crime. And, and we need that information to, to be able to say, Hey, we want this 5% decrease and we want it to be implemented, uh, you know, 1% here, 1% there. But that's definitely what we're coming in with, um, with the city manager. And uh, we're talking to ACOP uh, with it about it tonight to just sort of go over, um, you know, the best way to present all of this information because, um, it's all about how you present it. You know, you can, if we go in there and talk about abolishing the police, they're going to totally laugh in our face. But if we go in there in a very subtle, 
way talking about reform that will eventually maybe make its way to something called abolition. I don't really know. Um, I think that there's uh, more room to be heard. So yeah, in terms of a list of demands, um, specifically, we have defunding the police. Um, they have approximately $8 million um, from the city a year. And so definitely beginning to uh, stop the increasing of that budget and then uh, begin with a five to 10% um, reallocation fund to things like community organizations that uh, will ultimately serve to replace uh, police responses. We're also asking um, that uh, police, if we, if they feel inclined to respond to non-emergency um, cases that they can respond unarmed. So having a set group of patrol officers every evening and every day that don't have a gun on them that can respond to these cases that maybe need the scene secured or whatever it may be, um, where they're not yet necessarily needing to be guns drawn first one there. Uh, we are also trying to get funds. I have a whole, let me just get this stuff. Um, also trying to um, begin conversations about using some of this money to be reallocated into uh, helping out with school lunch debt in town and um, really like ending the criminalization of like poor kids who want to eat at school. Um, and uh, beyond that, you know, our big push is then to really implement these uh, community organization responses that will, um, in the large scale of things, help to decriminalize and have an empathetic response to um, mental illness, drug abuse, homelessness, poverty in general, just all of these uh, social issues that our government has unfortunately uh, made the police responsible for responding to and ultimately criminalizing. And uh, that's, so that's our biggest goal. And, and it's, it's just been tough, I suppose, having all of these demands and passions and, and then distinguishing, okay, what does the city have control over? What does the, the state uh, have control over? Because like a big, of course, a big push of ours is to get calling decertified and fired, but the city has no control over that. You know, he's, he is in, <clears throat> employed by the Albany Sheriff's Department. And so um, also, you know, just, it's been tough distinguishing to people like, hey, we, we have a million demands for the city, the state, the nation, like, we want to make these changes up to the very top, but um, not, you know, we have to go one step at a time and, and, and hone in on what uh, we have access to at the moment. And so, um, yeah, in the city, it's, um, we're also trying to like cap overtime pay for police. That has been um, extremely, extremely um, just sort of like neglected and uh, abused by police officers. And, and there are so many grants that are just going towards absurd, um, <laughs> absurd overtime pay and, and like terrorist training and like things that we may need every once in a while. I have no idea the terrorist threat on Laramie, Wyoming. I cannot imagine it's very high, but I do think that it would be, uh, better suited for everyone involved, you know, if, if the, if that money needs to, for some reason, stay within the police department, maybe we should train them to deescalate or, or how to, how to deal with people with mental health disabilities rather than how to, you know, snipe somebody from the type top of white hall. Um, when there's, you know, a, a terrorist attack, it's, uh, it's just, um, 
yeah, really trying to, you know, we, we are trying to come to the town of Laramie and meet it where it's at. Uh, it's not that we are trying to compare Laramie to these places like Minneapolis who have extreme corruption and crime problems. They have it and that exists here in Laramie and in Wyoming, no doubt. Um, but obviously to a different extent. And so you have to go about how you address these things in different ways and not that the end goal is any different. I think uh, I'm very clear that I am uh, an abolitionist at heart and I'm, uh, I'm trying to implement that in a strategic way because especially in this Western uh, you know, mentality, it's you have to meet people where they're at and, and education is lacking on a lot of these things. And so of course you don't wanna scare people away by using terms that they don't understand and are scary. So um, yeah, it's definitely um, having like city demands that, um, you know, ultimately are like, I'm asking for this now, but I want you to know that we want a lot more in the future. Like this is just sort of to get the posture and, um, and, yeah and i guess another thing that we're asking of the city is just like more transparency and accessibility to these records that um the public should have access to and you know if we're not going to have a community oversight board which they put a a, a 10-year plan on a community oversight board or something i don't know that's I think that that will change. Um, will we even all be here in 10 years? Some days funny. I'm uncertain. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> if we still have a police force in 10 years, we did something wrong. <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, just we're asking for the city, like more transparency, more accessibility. And like, I don't know, the city has been very quiet about these protests and like even the newspaper um, it's, and so, yeah, I also just like sort of want to be acknowledged and I want, you know, even if you don't think that police brutality uh, doesn't happen here, you don't want to pick a partisan side, you, you can't ignore that the entire world is protesting something right now. Like you cannot ignore that there are protests going on in your city and you might not know what's going on. We might not have, you know, responded to something that happened directly in this town this year. Um, but it just sort of seems like, I don't know, my initial impression was that they, I don't even, I don't think they took us very seriously at first. I think they thought like every other demonstration in Laramie has been that we were going to make noise for a few days and then not really care. And um, I think that we have shown them up and sort of freaked them out by um, having this momentum and this like repetition and legitimacy in, in what we're asking for. Um, I think we definitely, if not the city, definitely we caught the police off guard because I, Sunday, I think it was Sunday, the first day we like took to the streets full blown and like stopped, you know, in the middle of 15th and, um, what road is that? 15th and it goes through the university, but, um, stopping Grand. at that intersection. Yeah. Yeah. 15th Grand. Oh my God. Yeah. So, um, stopping at that intersection, you know, kneeling, chanting, having, having that police, having the police set up like an emergency barricade was, was, I mean, it was insane. It was insane to, uh, I don't know, you just see the fear in their eyes. I think they were just shocked. I, and, um, 
And, and that's an, I, I mean, I'm sure they were upset too. Like, I don't know if some people I think have been confused, like if we were organizing with the police and I get that that's a thing that you can get like a permit to protest that's legal. Um, and it doesn't really make sense to me because I'm like, I don't know, I'm like sort of protesting, you know, things that exist on the fringes of the law. So I don't necessarily feel inclined to like get permission. Also, One of those like, like yeah, are we going to like pay the city to exercise our First Amendment rights? Because there's usually yeah. fees with that stuff. Like, I'm not. Yeah. And police. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, it was totally that to me is the strain and like not like we weren't stopping for stoplights at the beginning we definitely you know had some slow slow calls at the beginning um but we haven't been coordinating with police and like asking permission for anything and and they like i said they have been reaching out and calling billy just like sort of ripping into him or at least trying to <laughs> how mad they are but um I think that they were just really surprised by um, the power that we had and like the amount of people who like were like, oh, I know I'm breaking the law and I'm going to protest. Like, I don't really care. I definitely, you know, definitely more people did it as they saw other people do. Like, of course, mob mentality worked in uh, in our favor. But uh, I think the police have... Uh, they're definitely pissed off. I have definitely disregarded them every time I see them out and about uh, because I'm, yeah, we're exercising our first amendment right and they know it. And, and, and they also know that we're extremely upset with their lack of response to antagonizers. And so I'm sort of over, you know, pleasing them by any regard because they've definitely shown their true colors, you know, having little hangouts in the Kmart parking lot with those rednecks or uh, giving citations to protesters who were trying to stop a car from driving through a group of people, um, disregarding the people with AR-15s, you know, driving around in beds of trucks, um, or disregarding the, the people that get out of their cars and like pull their guns off their waist. And, and there's just a plethora of evidence and, and support for, um, you know, giving these people who have been antagonizing and following protesters around, uh, there's been plenty of opportunity to uh, punish them or to cite them or whatever. And they have uh, just shown aside every single day we're out there. And it's really unfortunate, but it's also like motivating because it's like, if my tax dollars, you know, I'll, I'd much rather pay my tax dollars to not have you here pretending to protect me when I know that you're just really like, you know, trying to criminalize the people in this movement who um, are expressing, you know, vast emotions. So yeah, that's been really sad and hard to deal with, but that's why I want their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I want to go back real quick to something you said uh, uh, at the beginning of your answer, which was, you know, about the $8 million police budget. And again, for people who are not familiar with the area um, or, you know, are, are located entirely, you know, somewhere else in the country um, or even around the world. I'm sure we have at least a handful of international listeners. Um, you know, it's an $8 million police budget for a city of 15 to 20,000, right? And officially it's more than that, but that includes all the university students and they have their own police force that has its own budget. So, you know, you're talking about spending $8 million to police 
less than 20,000 people. That that's mm-hmm. why that's just, it's just, yeah. And mm-hmm. it just seems, abs- no, right. It just, I mean, we're laughing because it seems absurd, but that's, but that's where, where we're at. And yeah, I really am also glad that you brought up uh, the, the, parking lot prayer circle in front of the old Kmart because um, I wasn't, I, I was undecided on, on whether or not, uh, you know, you know, we should, we should talk about it, but I think it, I think it's important to talk about that, you know, we have like openly seen the cops, you know, the Laramie PD, uh, you know, talking with these guys, chatting and joking, you know, it looks like they're pulling someone over and then they're just having a laugh together. They're not writing them tickets or anything, you know? And then you have these, these guys that are just, I mean, are, I feel like calling them rednecks isn't even accurate because there are so many rednecks that are like legitimately cool people. Right. But like these people are like most likely, you know, they're flying the flags, they're toting around their guns to intimidate people. At the very least, they're, you know, Second Amendment people, which, you know, I'm not, inher- I'm personally not inherently opposed to gun rights. I think the Second Amendment people are, you know, there's, a, well, that's a whole nother kettle of fish about, like, the racism inherent in Second Amendment protests, but, you know, they're probably white supremacists, and the cops have been seen colluding with them around town, uh, and I think that that is something that it's really important to at least note, you know, that those two, like, uh, I saw a great meme the other day that was going around and it was like, um, why don't you ever see the cops uh, shutting down a Klan rally? It's the same reason you don't see uh, Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus in the same room. Like, and, and I think, you know what, too, like... It, it, it occurs to me also that like, I think maybe the Laramie PD are salty because they sort of have this and like this became evident and was explained to me like pretty soon after I got here, right? You know, I've been living here for like not quite a year and a half, I think. Um, and it was, and it was very quickly made evident to me that, you know, sort of the Laramie PD is, uh, has a reputation for being sort of like nicer, being like more, lenient compared to you know the the sheriff's department right like people are more sheriff's department makes people more nervous um and things like that and so they have this sort of i feel like they have this sort of good cop bad cop you know (laughs) thing like going between them right and then so their laramie pd is used to being sort of like lauded you know for their effort for for letting robbie ramirez's mom conduct some mental health you know, awareness trainings and stuff like, um, and, you know, and they're used to being like patted on the back and handed their cookies for that. And, you know, we're not here, we're not here for that. Like take your drones and go home. I guess it's important. Like Albany County, the county that Laramie is in is policed by UWPD, which is in the center of town. Um, Laramie Police Department, which is located two blocks away, and then the Sheriff's Department, which is uh, on the, uh, you know, everything in Laramie is like, what, seven minutes away from the other end of Laramie, and so the town is just oversaturated in law enforcement, and um, especially when you consider how 
poorly trained they are. Um, it's just unnecessary. And how many police there are. It's, it's just literally the ratio. It's blanking my mind right now, but it's, it's absurd. And um, yeah, their, their allegiance to, I don't know, always like the, I don't know, like both siding things and, and, and just being really passive um, towards like legitimate threats versus like social threats, which I feel like we're, we're a social threat and people are like meeting that with physical threats and for the police to like, well, both are expressing their rights. This sort of thing is super disheartening because like you said, I'm not, I am not like anti-gun. That's, I'm not trying to take anyone's guns. Like I could not care. I'm trying to take the police's guns, if anything. And like, I'm just trying to make it where they don't show up to every fucking response with a gun when that's not what people are needing help with uh, or needing help by. And so, yeah, like for the response to be just this like over, you know, extra max macho. Uh, and yeah, sorry to my like redneck brethren. I, I, that is my like Southern roots having just an awful, awful stereotype regarding the most of the rednecks I grew up around. Um, but I do know, and I can attest, like, even in these marches, there have been, like, I see them. I see them. They're here. <laughs> There's some support. But um, these, these, what do you call them? Chuds? These, these G.I. Joe wannabes um, just, I don't know, uh, feeling threatened, um, you know, by people with, with words and signs and intelligence is the most flattering thing. Um, if I have to say anything, cause I think they know that they're weak. I think they know that they're in the wrong. I think that they are confusing, um, a threat to their identity with just a threat to their power and to their privilege because, you know, we're not out there chanting white lives don't matter. We're not out there chanting, like, take their guns. We're not out there chanting, like, kill all police. I mean, even if you wanted to, that's not what we're doing. That's not our message. Um, and for them to just totally misconstrue that and be like, oh, you're saying black lives matter. Well, like, what about black on black crime? What about Chicago? What about <laughs> all these places? I'm going to show you that, like, I support, I want to have my guns. So I'm going to bring them out to your peaceful protest. And like, even though you're not protesting guns, this is my stance and I want you to see this. And it's just, it's so confusing. It's so confusing because you'll ultimately like get into conversations with these people and they always have this, you know, they'll go on about black lives, black lives matter, whatever, all lives matter. And, and there are some bad police. Don't get me wrong. There are some bad police, but you're chanting about everything under the sun and and they just it's just like that little disconnect of like we're ultimately like fighting for the same thing we want the same thing we all agree that there are bad police and we're trying to like fix a broken system and i think they just have a really hard time disassociating like their identity politics and being, they're, like, they're missing that systemic piece really i mean yeah. You know, it, of course, it doesn't make sense to them that we're yelling about, you know, all, all, you know, a cab and and you know, all cop, all cops are bad, and you know, because they they don't. That's not, you know, looking at things systemically like that isn't isn't a part of their paradigm. Yeah, you know, and especially you know, their cousins and brothers with the police who they think that we just like 
absolutely hate. And, and yeah, that intimate relationship has ultimately like just reinforced why we're doing this because to see a police officer like laughing and like kicking it up with a person with an AR-15 that was just driving around for an hour, literally around peaceful protesters, like that to me is the utmost disrespect to the citizens that you're supposed to be protecting, which is all of us, all whether we're protesting or whether we're in the trucks or whether we're in our homes, your job is being paid for by all these people and you're supposed to protect all of us equally. And so to just see that like blatant disregard and disrespect, uh, especially when, you know, they're just ignoring like the city coal rolling ordinance. Um, it just reassures that like, Hey, it is the system that's broken and that I'm at and that we need to get rid of and like start over with because, um, how can, like, what would be the excuse of like that interaction, any of these interactions being so utmost positive and, and laughing like, that to me is just and like why are there no citations why do we see these people who have pulled guns out on protesters driving around every day it's just yeah i mean and not to mention they they uh they charged somebody whose bike got ran over by one of these chuds in their truck they charged the person whose bike got ran over with vandalism i don't know how they even did the gymnastics to make that happen uh, maybe it's the, there's like a video of a few seconds of, of the, you know, the guy whose bike got ran over, like, you know, pounding on the hood of the truck, I guess, presumably to be like, Hey, stop driving over my bike. Wow. Like maybe that's where it came from. I, I don't or know. Like stop driving into a group of people. Like, I don't understand how the police can just totally this truck for anyone that didn't see this video protesters are in the street this truck is behind the car caravan of like protesters so and then he crosses the double yellow line where protesters are only occupying one side of the street this truck crosses double yellow line starts goes around the car caravan starts going into the group of people back over the other side of the yellow line and the police see the video of protesters responding to it and give out two citations for vandalism and I, and this is, this is Robert Terry trying to talk to me a few days later, thanking us for meeting at the courthouse. And I'm like, dude, I don't need you here thanking me. Like, did you give out citations? Like, what are you, what are you doing? And he was like, literally, we gave out two citations for the Wednesday incident, both to protesters. And I had to walk away. Like that is you completely disregarding the safety of people expressing their first amendment rights. And that's so just like, it's infuriating. It's really infuriating and has just re like reassured me like why we're doing this. Like for people to say like, it doesn't happen here. George Floyd didn't happen here. Breonna Taylor didn't happen here, whatever. Like, I don't care. I don't care. The police here are not protecting everyone equally. They have shown that this week. They have shown that in the past two years. They have shown that in the history of Laramie. Let's like, we cannot even we can't even stop at Robbie Ramirez. Let's talk about let's talk about Matthew Shepard. Let's talk about Joe Martin. Like Laramie has Laramie is notorious for burying its past and and picking everyone up by their bootstraps and and saying that life goes on. And uh, hopefully these marches are showing that like we the citizens in this town like might not have been protesting this whole time, but like the fire in us has been burning and we're not going to keep just letting all of this stuff get blown under the rug. Like you can't, it's, it's come too far. And um, thankfully the rest of the world is helping bring attention to it. Cause 
I don't really know if it would have happened if that wouldn't, if the response wouldn't have been to this magnitude. Yeah, I think it really speaks to uh, sort of this critical mass of, you know, people, um, you know, probably a lot of us for a long time feeling like uncertain about, um, you know, what we can do effectively, especially, you know, in a small town like this, you know, there are probably a lot of sympathetic people. And so I think that's part of why, you know, maybe these marches have been so unexpectedly, you know, supported and attended and, um, and successful is, you know, because people finally feel like, okay, here's a, you know, here's a place where I can make my voice heard. And, you know, if we keep showing up, we can actually accomplish, you know, real change and not just, you know, these sort of placating, you know, oh, we're going to change a street name or, oh, we're going to, you know, like the things that don't really like fix any, any of these problems. The waves we have made have been because we told, you know, we kept going. We are still going, you know, it was like, you cannot ignore us if we're going on for a week and you definitely can't ignore us after what day 12, day 11, you know? Um, and, and yeah, it's been amazing that, that, um, we've been able to inspire that hope because like I said before, even when I initially reached out to Billy, I was not into marching. I had had such bad experiences with them in Laramie and I just thought they weren't able to make a change in a town like this. And I was really trying my hardest to like get creative and, and figure out an, a different way to like make a noise and like get our voices heard. And I don't know what it is. I, you know, I don't know if you invested in astrology, those three planets that are aligned that like crazy social things happen during, I don't know. I don't know if there's just something in the water system, who knows, but there is something it, you could just feel it. You can just feel it. I don't know if it's because you had people had the ability to watch a man get strangled by, a, a, you know, a servant of the state for eight minutes and 46 seconds. I don't know if it was because this is number X of, of a thousand, of 10,000, of, of, I mean, how, how many years do we even go back to start thinking of figures of, of how long this has been going and how many people it's, it's taken the life of. And um, I have no idea why people are so amped up, but I am so glad because I have been amped up for so long and it's been really, really difficult, you know, especially I'm like almost guilty because like coming from Nashville where, where, you know, that's a town that, that and they can protest, they can, they have, they have people, they have girth, they have, um, you know, everything that you would expect a social movement to be able to, to make an impact in. And um, I have never seen something like that until now in Laramie and, and, and it really feels it's powerful and it's so crazy. I'm like, where did all of these people come from? <laughs> I'm like, why have we all just not been, you know, raging against the system together for all of these years? And I don't know what it is. I I don't know if we're somehow more accessible. I don't know if, if COVID is giving people- I think it's COVID. You know, COVID gives people, people motivation and madness towards the government. I'm like- right. And, and the, and the time, the, the time to, you know, if you're, if you've been laid off from your job, like, you know, I saw somebody, somebody, uh, you know, commented online, like, I don't have anything else to do. This is my job now. Like I'm, you know, like I'm going to make y'all understand. And I think COVID also like 
right, like so many areas of our society, it's laid bare the the holes or the complete absence of safety net, right? It's and it's it's made apparent. I think it's starting to make apparent to a lot of, especially white people, something that you know leftists have been trying to tell them for ages now, which is you know there's not much you know there's there's not much between you and homeless people like you politically and your interests and you know like the safety net that that takes care of those people is the safety net that takes care of of you as well and i think people are starting hopefully to realize um that you know it's not just i mean yes we should show up because it's wrong that you know police indiscriminately and overwhelmingly um you know murder black people and people of color but we should also show up because y'all's liberation is our liberation you know like it's not it's not just like a, oh i'm well i'm such a martyr you know i'm 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 not out there marching every day because you know i want my social justice warrior cookies or something like i'm out there marching because i know that the world in which you know in which marginalized people are are free and safe is a world in which i am also free and safe um and you know and other people people that i care about I, I hope everyone or at least people are starting to to have that perspective because yeah it's definitely like at the bottom line like disproportionate on levels of race and that is what we have to draw attention to but just abolishing the system is gonna help everyone you know like class consciousness has has plagued the lower middle classes for forever and like that has been strategic by the government. I mean, you see Trump doing it, literally calling, calling local militias to, to stand up against protesters. And it's like, are these not the same people that are like fighting for less government? You know, like, I don't, I don't, it's, it's totally just a disconnect that, um, I'm hoping that, you know, conversations can, can help because obviously like, outward protesting um ruffles some feathers and that's what it's meant to do but but you have to ruffle feathers and then you know get those people's ears open so that they would can be willing to like see where you're coming from see what you're protesting see like uh, you know explain to them that like we are not you know take trying to take anything away from you we are really just trying to like make the system work better for everyone and um and we have to highlight that through how it is disproportionately hurting some people. And yeah, it's been, uh, it's tough. Cause it's like, I just want to rage against the machine, but then you like have to literally like take legitimate time to be like, okay, I'm not raging at you as an individual. Like I, I can like educate and I can share, like we can talk. Um, cause that's the only way people learn, but, uh, it's been, insane uh to say the very least and um yeah i and and really has like blown up beyond my imagination i really honestly did not expect to be heard especially this quickly um by anyone you know and i'm not saying that the city manager is going to be the end all and be all and change the world for us but i mean yeah the idea that like we're you know sort of freaking out the people in, in city hall is, is pretty cool and um and uh, I hope that they know that, you know, we're, we are, we're amped up, no doubt. We are, uh, got fire in our loins, no doubt. 
and um, we're being rowdy and rambunctious and causing a ruckus, but we're like legitimately passionate and we care about um, everyone in this town and, and, and ourselves and our friends and our family and, and, and really like beyond Laramie. I mean, Laramie has the university and, and a strong liberal holding because of that. Obviously it doesn't always show up in ballots, but I mean, we're doing this for the towns in Wyoming that you don't hear of the towns in Wyoming that have, you know, three digit populations that, that, you know, just, even people in those towns, uh, whether they identify in this way or that, um, you know, the, the power of a mega identity that overcomes Wyoming of just this conservative, right-leaning, ultra pro-gun, um, it, it makes it difficult for people with dissenting opinions in those small towns to share those opinions and even be able to have them. And so, you know, if this serves as anything, I hope it's just um, gives like support to those people in those smaller towns that we can't necessarily reach. Uh, but to know that, you know, like you might not, they might not have a voice or the, or the, the platform to be able to make it onto the news or like the Stephen Colbert report, which I don't know if you saw that, but you were like, it was so cool. Um, but like that, that like being centered in Laramie, like I hope showed that like we are standing for all of Wyoming. Like this is not, this is, Oh, yeah, it's just for so many people. And, and I really just hope that um, it like comes to fruition. Because at this point, I mean, me and Billy have sort of looked at each other and been like, I'm definitely, you know, a protester at heart, like, I want to rage, I want to ride all the time. And like, this is getting down to like the dirty, you know, nitty gritty work. And it's hard, and it's grueling. And, but I mean, we just, you know, we look at what we've done. We look at the people we've talked to, the people we impact and, and, and the, the opportunity that we have. And it's like, how could we stop? Literally, how can we not do this anymore? Um, it's just, you know, it's like, regardless of whether we considered ourselves politicians before, we are in this shit now and sorry, stuff. <laughs> we're in now. You're good. <laughs> um, we're in it now. And, um, like, guns ablazing we are coming into these courthouses and 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 these politicians offices and just sort of like I don't know I'm going you know full full blown like not taking no for an answer type deal I don't know if uh I imagine I I feel like I've been slowly radicalizing Billy throughout this process and um just sort of instilling in him that like I don't know I pay I pay the government. I feel like they, they work for me. So like, I'm not going to really take inadequate work. And so, um, yeah, I like instilling that and being like, dude, they can say that it takes time. The, the, the machine takes time. It's a slow process. And it's like, it's slow because you're choosing to let it be slow. And like, it's bureaucratic violence. Totally, totally. And it's, it can be traumatizing. And that's like, I've gotten to the point, like, I feel, I feel strong enough in what we're fighting for. I feel motivated enough through the people that uh, have supported us and just by like people caring, you know, if it was definitely like 10 people showing up every time and this wasn't a concern, like I would feel way less confident in what I was fighting for, but in what we were fighting for, but this now, like seeing that one it's legitimate like i'm not just being some like crazy mad lib like who wants to destroy the system like i do but other people also see problems with it and so it's like yeah we have all of this momentum in this in this power like we you gotta go full blast and um 
I don't know what that's going to look like tomorrow. I don't know what that's going to look like on the 22nd if we even get invited to that meeting still. I don't know what that's going to look like in a week if I'm in jail. Um, I, I have no idea, but it's definitely like, it's consumed my life in the best of ways because um, I have, I like have two jobs and they have like been the most supportive of this ever. And they are just like constantly, um, you know, helping me out and supporting me through this. And it's become sort of like a third, I mean, it's, it's my life. And, and like, fighting, I guess, for human rights has always been to an extent, but it's been awesome to be able to, like, go out and do something, like, put in time and energy, not have to worry about school or any of that, like, stuff that's not super valuable, um, and, like, literally go out and, like, make a real difference. Uh, that's been so sick, and um, I never thought I'd have the opportunity, especially in this town, to do that, and so I sure am glad. The world is a strange and unpredictable place, right? <laughs> um, well, so that brings us, I think, a little bit past an hour, uh, and I know that you have a lot of lot of things to get done. So I feel like I feel like this is a good good stopping point uh, for now. I think uh, we're all interested and in looking forward to hearing how tomorrow's meeting goes, um, and. Uh, you know, if you end up in jail, then five o'clock protest will just be outside the jail. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, please do uh, take any injustice against me in vain. Rage against the system. Um, that's what I would want. <laughs> it's on the record now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't let them sell you any of that. I'm a peaceful protester until I can't peacefully protest anymore. And then, right. Yeah. It's all hell breaks loose but no thank you so much for having me on and and caring about words i have to say and like legitimizing this like stupid college grad who, who really didn't have any future except to like rage against the machine um it's super nice that uh it's somewhat coming uh to fruition and like having some results and so thank you for giving me this platform yeah, you're welcome. Uh, hopefully, being better than Joel Funk. <laughs> uh, is that a very high bar? Being better yeah, than Joel yeah, Funk? I'm not sure that it is, yeah, uh, but hopefully, it won't be the last time uh, that you you uh, have access to this platform. We certainly uh, would be happy to have you have you back again anytime. So. Awesome! I would love to be back. I would love to be back. Well, I guess I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you at the march. Cool. All right. Bye, y'all.